0: What does motion sound like? With Kizik free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Zach Wolf, a senior writer at CNN, and this is the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. And oh, My goodness, what a 24 hours. Not only are we in the final act of a months-long impeachment saga, not only are we anticipating the president's State of the Union address tonight, but we are also processing an absolutely stunning night in Iowa. We were expecting a clear narrative to emerge about the winners and losers of the Democratic caucuses. Instead, we have doubt and confusion in an embarrassing night. For America's electoral process. I have the perfect guest to discuss all this. That's Julie Pace, the Washington Bureau Chief of the Associated Press and a CNN political analyst. Julie, thanks for coming to the podcast.
0: Anytime. Happy to be here.
1: Uh, So I don't know at what point you were sitting there last night and started to think, what the heck? Is going on?
0: Yeah, it was about ten thirty. I can I can pinpoint it specifically. Uh, we were in this situation. We had prepared for a lot of different results, a lot of different scenarios coming out of Iowa, and the one scenario that we didn't prepare for is having no results. And it started to become clear, you know, around that time 10, ten ten thirty, uh, it started to become clear not only that there weren't any results coming in, but that there probably weren't going to be any results coming in that night. And that is just a really chaotic situation. You have all these people that are out caucusing, all of these campaigns that are getting their own data, really eager to get out there and start spitting the results, uh, but we simply had nothing from the State Democratic Party.
1: Truly incredible. I saw, I think on Twitter, people were making fun of Nate Silver for having written a list of 89 things that could happen in Iowa and the only one they didn't have was what if they just don't report results. And it's true, however, in Iowa, they have had problem they've gotten it wrong before so i suppose no results Uh, early on are better than wrong results. Just ask Rick Santorum about that.
0: Exactly. I mean, we got into this situation where, you know, the party basically had to make a choice. They had an app that clearly wasn't functioning. They had a real backup of uh, volunteer precinct chairs in all of these places who are trying to call in results. They're trying to verify the results with paper ballots. And basically, the party just made a call that it was better to release no results than to release results that could be flawed and that they might ultimately have to walk back or, or, or could affect the results in in the coming days. Uh, one thing I would say, though, is the party wasn't great about explaining what was going on in real time. There was a real vacuum of information, not just for those of us in the media, but for the campaigns as well. And I think that added to the sense of chaos and, uh, and uncertainty because we knew there were no results coming in and we just didn't know why.
1: It's interesting because Iowa is one of the few remaining caucuses. And you were talking about our interactions with the party and how they weren't very transparent. This is not the state we're dealing with. This is a Democratic Party exercise, which separates it from a lot of all all the other primaries, which have gotten, you know, if you will, a little more open and official. Is this do you think going to spell the end of the Iowa caucuses? A lot of people have been talking about that. And maybe it's time for this whole thing to just evaporate.
0: Yes, certainly. There's a lot of discussion about that uh, coming out of the caucuses. There were sort of two two questions that people were raising about Iowa. One was Uh, Should Iowa be a state that goes this early in the process? It's an overwhelmingly white state uh, in a country that is increasingly diverse. Uh, it, It doesn't match up with the demographics, certainly of the Democratic Party. But then the second question that has been asked is, even if Iowa were to go first, should it be a caucus or should we go to a primary process? I mean, certainly for, for your listeners who were watching television last night and were watching the caucus cam, I mean, it is pretty remarkable that this is one of the ways that we pick presidential nominees. You've got neighbors who are trying to convince their, their neighbors to go into other corners. You've got coin flips when you've got a tie on delegates. When you really peel back the curtain on it, you realize uh, just how kind of duct taped together this this looks. And with a primary process, certainly there could be technological failures. Certainly, uh, you could have systems that go down, but it is run by the state. And so you have some continuity. Uh, With a party process, you often see massive changeover in the parties every four years as new people come in, as a president or a governor uh, puts their people uh, into the party. And that's really what we saw here, just new people stepping in, trying to do this a different way.
1: You know, it's, it's also interesting that this comes at maybe the worst possible time for our uh, you know, faith in U.S. institutions. And you saw it last night, the president's campaign manager uh, essentially suggesting, borrowing a line from 2016, that this was rigged. Um, you have, you know, somebody like Bernie Sanders, who wanted to use this as a big, uh, you know, to, to vaunt himself sort of into the frontrunner status, uh, extremely frustrated, um, um, probably, about, about what's going on here. Um, is this kind of thing gonna chip away at the way Americans view democracy at a time when it's already kind of in question?
0: I think that's a really big concern coming out of this. You know, we are in an environment right now where there is a lot of distrust of institutions broadly. And certainly after the 2016 election, you know, to be clear, there was no evidence of any hacking of the actual vote totals in 2016. But we know that there was Russian interference in the election that perhaps changed the way that people ultimately voted. So we were already in a situation where you were going to have big questions about the integrity of the electoral process in 2020. And now the very first contest has this kind of technological failure. Again, these are very different situations, but it all kind of ends up in the same place, which is people looking at this system and wondering if it works anymore.
1: And what struck me last night when they finally did say something, the state party, they were sure in the first sentence, they said, we just want you to know we weren't hacked. Which immediately everybody started thinking, oh, my gosh, well, you where know, <laughs> were, were, were they hacked? It's, it's almost like they leaned too far into the denial and then helped create this conspiracy. Yeah,
0: it kind of raised questions about how they knew that so quickly. Um, and I do think it is going to be incumbent on them to explain that. There's, they're starting to put out a little bit more information about what happened here. They're blaming a coding error in this in this app. Um, but they were they were really eager to, to make clear that they did not believe that there had been any kind of intrusion into the process as this was simply a piece of technology that didn't work. But we know how conspiracy theories spread. They they spread rapidly. And, uh, you know, no matter what, happens with the with the results of Iowa should we eventually get full complete results there're gonna be a lot of people who who just simply look at those those numbers and say you know what I, I I just don't believe them
1: we have this situation where there is so much doubt about this pivotal contest that is supposed to shape the 2020 race
0: yeah it's incredible I mean this this uh, Democratic primary um, has just been so uncertain and and voters have been so anxious and and really just just eager to know who is going to be their standard bearer going up against Trump. And this was the first time candidates have spent millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars, months of their time on the ground in Iowa, and we might end up in a situation where even if we do get a clear result, there's just going to be a shadow over it. And you really do get the sense, you know, the candidates, as much as they are still fighting about what the party is going to put out in Iowa, as much as they are still trying to spin those results, they are also looking forward. They are they are moving on to New Hampshire. They are hoping that there's a cleaner, uh, more decisive outcome out of New Hampshire, and they can just lean on that to to get that momentum that they would normally look to get on of Iowa.
1: Let me lay out the what I think is emerging as the conventional wisdom, and then you can hopefully poke some holes in it. Um, first, that maybe this is a lifeline for Biden, because he was going to underperform in Iowa, and now he can go to to New Hampshire and and you know get a get a fresh start. That this is maybe bad for Pete Buttigieg, who was potentially going to do very well in Iowa. And this is all conjecture because we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, even when they do release results, as you said, we're, we're not completely sure what they will say. Um, so and and, and it, this is bad for Bernie Sanders because he you know could have shown that he was actually going to win in Iowa or at least get get second again or close. Um, what what are the narratives you see? Emerging? emerging emerging from this chaos.
0: Yeah, I agree with a lot of a lot of what you said there with, again, the same caveat that we don't really know what the results are. But certainly the campaigns were collecting their own data. Um, You know, we at the AP and and, and certainly here at CNN, um, you know, had a lot of eyes on these various precincts. And and, and so we have we have information. It's not it's not the results, but we have information. And, And even if you just look at the response of the Joe Biden campaign over the last 12 hours or so, they are pretty aggressively pushing this idea that we should not uh, see partial results, that we should um, uh, that we should have a lot of concerns about this process. We should have a lot of concerns about the integrity of any results that you see. You wouldn't do that if you thought that the results actually showed that you were in a good, strong position. Now, to your point, this does buy Biden some time. If we came out of Iowa and he was a clear fourth place or even a clear fifth place, there would be a lot of hand-wringing among his supporters, a lot of hand-wringing among establishment Democrats about just how strong he is. It, we might end up in the same place after New Hampshire, but I think it does buy him some time to try to shore up some of his support, to try to go to his donors and say, stick with me for a little bit longer. Uh, but then, you know, to the, to the question of what happens to these other candidates who look like they might have done pretty well— you know, Buttigieg came out and clearly uh, had a speech written for a, a victory in Iowa. He
1: wanted the victory. He waited too long to <laughs> give it, though. He, he did.
0: He he gave this speech. It was about it was after midnight Eastern time, uh, just before midnight in, in Iowa. And he really it was it was a very Barack Obama 2008 speech. You know, no one thought we could do this. The coalition we put together is unprecedented. We emerge here victorious. It was a little off uh, message because there were no results, um, and I don't think you get the same bounce out of a speech like that if you can't actually point to results showing that you're the winner. He's going to hope out of New Hampshire that he can have a similar moment, and I think the 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 Bernie question is really interesting. And then I want to get to the two women who are still in the race. You know, the Bernie question is interesting because leading up to the caucus. His team was just projecting enormous confidence. They were talking about winning Iowa. they were talking uh, you know privately to reporters about just how uh, significant their victory was going to be uh, you know based on the the information that we have right now, even if he does come out of this as the winner, it doesn't look like it was as overwhelming as it might have been. I have questions about what the storylines about the two women are going to be, Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar. It appears as though Warren had a pretty good night and it appears as though Klobuchar may have beat expectations. Do either of them get any real benefit, though, if, if we're essentially discounting those results?
1: Right. Yeah. And it is all about expectations. It's a small state. It's it's mostly white. All the reasons you said you can, Bill Clinton will tell you, go from fourth place in Iowa or was it third? I think it was fourth. And, uh, you know, then scream back to, to, to win the nomination. So it is doable. It just doesn't happen very Very often. One person who um, is gloating about all of this is Donald Trump. He was tweeting about it. He gives his State of the Union address this evening. Um, You know, a normal president might not mention it. Um, the other side in, in total chaos. But what do you think Donald Trump will do?
0: <laughs> I think Donald Trump uh, you know, clearly is uh, pretty happy with the fact that he is uh, both getting acquitted by the Senate in his impeachment trial on Wednesday and is watching uh, Democrats just in complete disarray. And into the middle of that... He, Comes the president with the grandeur of the Capitol, uh, the grandeur of the State of the Union, and this real opportunity to take a, an hour of primetime television and lay out his case for re-election. He has uh, historically given pretty uh, traditional speeches in this forum. He reads off of the teleprompter. He talks about the economy. I expect he will talk about trade. I think you know. My big question is how much freelancing there is. He's going to have Nancy Pelosi sitting right over his shoulder. She led the impeachment inquiry against him, Adam Schiff sitting out in the audience, the lead house manager. how much does uh just how much do those dynamics um kind of get into his head and 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 pull him off course from that teleprompter speech yeah
1: and it's it'll also be interesting, I think, because if, if there was nothing really that could wipe impeachment out of the news the way this could, so you know we talked about Biden maybe getting a lifeline lives to fight another day. (laughs) Donald Trump is the real winner with with all of this chaos. And, you know, this poll, you know, Gallup showed him sort of inching up to some of his highest approval rate, if not the highest approval rating he's seen of his presidency. Is this sort of a pivot point for Trump's presidency.
0: It absolutely could be. I mean, we could look back at this week as a really pivotal week for his for his presidency if he's able to uh, maintain this this dynamic here. You know, we know that in Trump's Washington, uh, storylines change really quickly. But, you know, if he can kind of harness, uh, you know, this moment where he does have uh, you know a couple of things really moving in his favor uh, on the Democratic side and a strong economy, you're looking at an incumbent president who is going to be difficult to beat in November, regardless of who Democrats ultimately put up to face him.
1: And he is such a motivating factor for Democrats. You you have to wonder. We we talked about the effect that this Iowa chaos has on the candidates. But the electorate, it has an impact there, too. They can't find their their champion.
0: And you know what was really interesting out of Iowa last night? One thing that the the Iowa Democratic Party did put out is they said that they were anticipating that turnout levels were at 2016 levels. A lot of people had been talking that the turnout might have been 2008 levels, which was when Obama was on the ballot and they had uh, well north of 200,000 people turnout for the caucuses. I'm really interested to dig into what that means for Democrats. We clearly know there's a lot of enthusiasm in this in this party. I wonder how much many people were just too anxious and too undecided and just ultimately decided not to not to show up.
1: Yeah, and that that's a good question. And you know, we talk we talk also about all the momentum coming out of Iowa, you know, Barack Obama, that huge he then went and lost in New Hampshire. Yep. Um, and And so that that's a whole whole different story that we'll see in, in a week. And then it goes down to South Carolina. And then the other, the other caucus, uh, or one of the two only two other caucuses in in Nevada. So okay, Julie Pace, thanks so much for appearing on the podcast today. For the latest on impeachment, I encourage you to go to cnn.com slash impeachment. It's there where you can sign up for the newsletter I write. It's currently focused on impeachment, but it will continue beyond the trial wrapping up tomorrow. And also go to cnn.com politics, where we have you covered on all things related to the 2020 campaign. As always, I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. Remember, we've got a new episode every weeknight, so please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It does help